Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. If you missed the first hour of the show, uh, well, we had Yannick Hansen join us, uh, his take on the Bo Horvat trade and how a leadership group grows and how someone needs to rise to the occasion to take the sea. And if the right time is right away or somewhere down the line for a new captain for the Vancouver Canucks, you can check that out in the first hour. Also discussed Anthony Beauvillier and some of the other Canucks players that have a lot to prove for the rest of the season. But it's a Friday, so that means it's time for the mailbag here on Canuck Central. Your questions for us here on the show. Uh, we bring in producer Dominic Shramati with us today. Hello. How's it going, Dom? I'm good. How are you? It's Friday. It's payday. Yeah. Oh, is it payday? It sure is, buddy. Nice. Reach is, is a, uh, in, in L.A. living the life, doesn't even know what day it is, what <laughs> what day of the month it is, what's going on. Just balling in L.A. Yeah. Just sitting in my hotel room. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> life is good. Looking at the palm trees outside. Sun like golden hour right now, a little sunset going. It's gorgeous. Not, not that I'm bragging or anything. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> All right, Dom, you know how this works, yeah? Uh, you, we've got questions from the listeners, and uh, we answer them. I will kick things off. What do you guys think of the Tendi ta- tandem challenge here at the All-Star Games? Oh, my God. It's so bad. Sad. have you been watching any of this? The skills I'm, I'm not paying that close attention to it. Like, I've seen a couple of things here, but, like, I don't know. This is, you know, honestly, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be that guy. I refuse to be that guy that's going to crap over all this. You're trying different things. Let him try different things. It's all stupid anyways. I guess. At least so. Instead of doing the stupid normal thing you've always done for the last 30 years, doing new stupid things. At least trying new stupid things is fun. <laughs> I just... Maybe I'm a traditionalist. I like the, the, the good old, like, fastest skater, accuracy shooting, and the hardest shot. Like, those are the staples. They try all these weird things or these new things, and they, they turn out awful. Like, this whole Tendi tandem thing, what, what, what's the point of the dumping? I, I, like, I can't figure this out. It's just like wasting seven seconds of my life. These soft dumpins around the board that the goaltender goes behind the net, and but there's like no oncoming forecheck. It's like it's a skills competition. It's not a game. And then he's like the goalie tries to uh, score from behind his own net. And um, uh, yeah, it, it is not going over well. I, hey, a for effort, trying new things. But then also it's not great. So we, we can scrap it for next year. Also, like, why don't players try at all? Like, do, do NHL players, the, the NHL, like players are always complaining about escrow. You know, oh, we got to pay escrow for this. They need to find more ways of, of, of growing fans and, and uh, you know, creating new revenue streams. Well, here, like, try. Make it fun for the people watching, you know. You don't know what casual fan is watching this on ESPN. And you're just not doing any of that. You're just, like, slowly going in on these breakaway challenges and taking a weak wrister from the hash marks. I mean, come on. Give me something. Anything. You're way too passionate about the All-Star game, man. No, Honestly. I'm, just, I'm mad at how much <laughs> NHL players complain about escrow and then, you know, they refuse to make the game fun. 
Yeah, but I mean, what do you expect to do? Run through a wall? Like, to have like a fight to the death at the All Star Game? <laughs> Should make more money. <laughs> I don't know. Like, try something. Try a deke. Triple deke. Go to the backhand. Anything. Put it through the legs. Like, you're the most talented hockey players in the world. Make it seem like it. Is that so hard? It might be. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's my rant. Done. Let's get to some questions on the mailbag. <laughs> it's still better than Password 2.0. Uh, Chef Swagger yeah. with this question. Uh, with Mark Stone out indefinitely, is there any chance Vegas tries to take a swing at landing JT Miller? And if so, what will it take? I don't I don't, I don't quite no. see it. I don't see it. Um, I mean, if Mark Stone is done for his career, this is like a super long-term, he may be on LTIR, LTIR thing, maybe they would have some interest to take on that type of a load long-term. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it with Vegas. Not right now, unless Stone is like done, done. I think with Vegas, there's like no chance. Like they have negative cap space for next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only way is like if again, like if if they feel like Stone's backs, we're talking about he may not play next year either. So you know that nine point five is going on LTIR. Plus, they yeah. still have like Shea Weber for like three more years in LTIR. You can't live with like that much money in LTIR, can you? I mean, well, I guess you could. They are. <laughs> they are. It's, um, it's not exactly the easiest thing to jump through hoops for. So. It, I mean, they're look, already they're seventeen million over the cap. They're, they're, their projected cap hit this year is ninety-six million. <laughs> uh, their projected cap hit going into next year is already eighty-seven point eight million dollars. So, they're already over the cap for next season. I think if Vegas is adding somebody to fill in for Mark Stone, it is most likely a rental. I don't see how they could. You know, maybe they can go out and add a Patrick Kane or a um, or a Jonathan Taves now. But I, I don't see them signing a, any kind of a long-term deal. They're they're much like a lot of the, you know the top contenders. We talked about this with the Leafs and some others. Like, there's just too many teams. Not only do they have a hard time taking on cap for this year, they're also reluctant to take on any kind of term into the future. From Deaky Pete, how many more trades do you think the Canucks will make before the deadline? Ooh, sad. I think we had the number at what? Two and a half originally? We had it at two and a half um, before so the deadline. So they made one. Now? They made one. So I, th I put it at one and a half. I think one and a half is the, is the right number to put it at. Okay. So one and a half. To hit the over, it's two trades. Luke Shen is a probable. Though it is interesting um, listening to Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts and, and his various hits through the week he keeps seeming to suggest that maybe rick tockett wants to keep luke shen yeah i mean i, I mean it could be it makes sense right because i mean what is what does luke what does um what does he want rick tockett he wants to have players that can uphold the standard he sets out he wants to have a tough team he's had him before like he can be a guy that could be an extension of the head coach but as a leader and on the ice and Coaches want to have guys like that. Like, they really want to have guys they can lean on. You see this, you know, when, when I've talked to people around the league and you talk to certain, certain uh, coaches and former coaches, one thing that's come up is 
there are certain guys on the team that you really trust inherently, that you kind of like really rely on to get a pulse for the team that can, you know, send your message in different ways. Because sometimes you as a coach are going to have a hard time getting through the player X. But if you have a good leadership group, if you have a few guys you can lean on, you can get those guys who do some of that work. You talk about the healthy teams, the good teams, those types of things do happen. Does he view Luke Shen as somebody that can help him do that? And I think it could very well. Like, even even earlier this season, we talked about, like, it's there's a decision to be made here about whether they keep Luke Shen or trade him. As much as, yes, the easy answer is to trade him, but they have some consideration keeping him. I think it comes down to the price here, Dan. Like, if they don't get, like, at least a third, then maybe they look at it and say, well, if we're getting a fourth or a fifth, and this guy we can sign for less than a million to stay here for a couple of years, then... Why make the trade? So I think it comes down to what the valuation is going to be. I, I could understand it from that point of view. Um, and, and I know some of the um, speculation maybe got a little bit out of control earlier this year where people were wondering, could the Canucks get a first-round pick for, for Luke Shen as a rental? I think that is not going to happen. Uh Rumor was, though, they, they were offered a second rounder last year, probably a late second rounder, and decided to hold on to Luke Shen then. Um, I just, I'd rather take the draft pick. But at the same time, I understand for Rick Tockett, it is about building the process that he keeps talking about. I would still say Luke Shen is, like, we can agree it's still more likely than not Luke Shen is traded, right? I'd say so. I'd still say it's more likely because I think somebody's going to give them something they want, right? Like, I think somebody's going to give them either that prospect or a young player or something that's interesting to them, them, or somebody actually gives you that third round pick valuation. And if the high end is going to be something like a late second, and that's if there's a bit of a mini bidding war for him, right? Like, there's a few teams interested, you get closer to the deadline or whatever, and you can actually drive the price up a bit. Otherwise, that's where the value is. Now, if it's a situation like we saw with Tyler Mott, where we overshot the estimation, like everyone was shocked. It was only a fourth round pick for Tyler Mott. And there was a time where people talked about him. Do you get a first if you trade him a year early? Yada, yada, like we've seen other teams do. And could he be like a Blake Coleman and all that? And ultimately, he got traded for a fourth round pick. And if that's a value for Shen, maybe just maybe they consider keeping him. Good follow-up question um, here from Ryan. Yep. If Shen gets moved, who is out there that the Canucks could bring in to look out for Petey? Oh, the the best kind of question. Team toughness question. I love these. Team toughness. Let's go. I mean, uh, in, I don't in know. theory, Dakota you can Joshua try to sign. Do it. Yeah, I think Dakota Joshua. I mean, he could. But I think you can always bring Luke Shen back in the offseason. Right. Maybe. I am uh, unpopular opinion. I'm not bringing in anybody to just be a protector for Elias Pettersson, you know? No, this but I think they do uh, need to... This isn't the 80s where you need Dave Semenko no. hanging around with Wayne Gretzky, okay? I don't disagree. I don't. Disagree. I mean, you can't have that, a guy who can't play, but I, I do believe this team needs tougher players. Absolutely, 100%. Like, I think they need players that would stick up for each other. I think they need that, that true type of grit, and I'm not saying going to overpay it, you know, and, and get a guy who can't skate and force him into the lineup to be a protector. No, but I mean... They need guys who can skate and that can do those things, that that have toughness. This team needs to be tougher, absolutely. I mean, it's been one of the softest teams in the NHL for way too long. And, yeah, I mean, they fought back this year and the last couple of years are a bit tougher and whatever, but they absolutely need to get tougher, for sure. I don't disagree, but it's, you know, like, what are we paying for that, you know? it's it, That's ultimately what it always comes down to, I know, but 
Think about last year, Nick Delorier, and what's he end up getting? He gets four years from the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, we, hey, it's, we, it's, it's a lot of money. think that really helps the Flyers in the end? You know, Ryan Reeves, how many times has he been traded around the league? Did it really help the Rangers? Has it really helped the Minnesota Wild? I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, you don't look at those. I mean, if you're if you're expecting those guys to come and help the team and and lift them up, I mean, those are different conversation. We're talking about guys being on your team that can stick up for your teammates every once in a while, bring your overall toughness up, and you know, help out a team feel like you know they will fight for one another. I think those are the intrinsic things players like that can bring into a group, and you shouldn't overpay for it. Absolutely, but I think it does have value. Like when you see this Canucks team constantly get their players run and nobody does anything, it's it's, it's gross. Like yeah, I want to puke half the time when I see that happen with this team. And I'm not even like you know I know I'm becoming an old hockey guy, but like I'm also not like going be a Neanderthal. But like how many times have we sat, sat here and watched the team and say, oh, there's no response. Here's a team not responding again. And don't be a Neanderthal, but like, come on, stick Should, up for yourself. That stick up for your organically teammates. as they rebuild the the you know the leadership group here. Sure, but you also need players that are willing to do it. Yeah, like you're either willing to do it or you're not. Tanner Pearson was like the most willing guy in the lineup earlier this year. And he <laughs> can't just, play. Yeah, yeah, and he's obviously like out for for the injury reasons. But um, I, I agree, there isn't enough of that on this roster. But I also maybe want to live in this this like uh, white picket fence land where guys want to do that for their teammates, whether they're a tough guy or not. All right, Shen Central, let's move on. Uh, what will Canucks management have to accomplish for the remainder of the season to restore fan confidence in a plan? That is from Matt. Move more money out. <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Make more trades. You know, if they if you if they make, let's say. Obviously, the Shen one, but make one more trade, right? Like one more contract getting moved out, and maybe take something back. But it's a futures-oriented move that gives you cap space. I think that would be, that would be another big step in the right direction. Is there a trade that brings the euphoria Canucks Twitter had when Travis Hamonic was traded to the Ottawa Senators last year, or when Good Branson was traded? Um, yes. Yes, <laughs> that was one that people celebrated in the streets. Yeah, people celebrate, even though like people celebrated that trade. Um, I won't forget Myers. the reaction at uh, the Sports <laughs> 650 Studios when that trade was made. <laughs> I know oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> never forget, never forget. Yeah, uh, um, people yes. liked Tanner Pearson a lot more back then. Anyway, yes, they did, and also just the whole like it, it, it got so bad with Good Goody too. Remember, he was like it seemed like every Canuck goal against like he was on the ice and yeah. he couldn't win. Uh, good Branson brings some value. He's a tough player to stand up for his teammates. Like he's a good leader. There's a lot of th- everyone loves playing with him. And in the right situation, he can help you. It all comes down to the cost and whether you have a team that needs that type of player and is willing to make it work with that type of player. Vancouver wasn't. They they overestimated who he was. It goes back to trying to force a guy to be something he's not. And it became you know so heavy with him that it was like just just make a trade. You know you need it's not working. Move him before it gets too late. It would have to be Myers. Right? Like, that's the one that would have the type of euphoria that somehow they make a Myers trade. Um, yeah, the, Myers would be the one, especially if there's limited retention on a deal like that. I would say it, it gets a lot of love. Um, any sort of move where they could move money out and collect an extra pick asset or some kind of a prospect, I think that is the type of thing that gets a lot of people excited. And at least you see a little bit more hope in being able to turn over the roster 
once you have more cap flexibility going into next year. Because remember, even with this Horvat trade, they've actually added on money to their cap picture for next season with Beauvilliers four four million and change that come onto the books. So still not a ton of money uh, around and going into next year, actually less money than they had um, before the Bo Horvat trade was made. This question from... Did I just say mated? Yeah. Yes. You wow, sure did. Uh, Should have just let it go. Look, People would have probably been like, did I hear that right? <laughs> it was conceived. Mated. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Move on. All right. From John. Uh, what do you guys think of Lucic backing Char's claims that the Canucks were practicing their cup sellies before game six? Uh, he said, she said. <laughs> right? Like, like honestly, like, I, I couldn't care less. I don't care. Why does this keep being <laughs> a story? Years ago. I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. Rivalries die hard, right? Like, Lucic was there, and I think Lucic hasn't liked that. You know, uh, BX is always there, you know, responding and, and, you know, calling them out and everything. And last time BX had called them out pretty good, the Bruins, about how they needed motivation and all that. So maybe, you know, Luch felt like he had to answer back. That's kind of what I, how I took it. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Uh, maybe Luch is just trying to stay relevant. Uh, oh, maybe too Ooh. harsh. Um, <laughs> stick, you know, standing up for his captain, I guess, uh, in in, uh, in Zdeno Chara. All those things could be true here. Yeah, I mean, this, this whole thing. Uh, even um, years ago, we had Wes Walls on, on uh, one of the shows, and he said that back in the West Coast Express days that they had heard – the Canucks were ahead of, you know, one of their games with the Canucks in that series. They had heard the Canucks were practicing without helmets on and, and was they were kind of like taking it easy. And from then on, the Wilds, you know, turned the season or uh, turned the series around sort of thing. And it was just like, <laughs> of course, you got vehement denials from everybody on the Canucks. And sometimes professional athletes tell themselves things just to get a little bit of extra whatever it is going mojo whatever you want to call it they need that extra push for whatever reason to just really get the engine fired up and i feel like that's and this is one of those moments where this team the bruins might believe this till they die that this is actually the case and it may have absolutely zero truth to it this question from Puff, how wrong does it look to see Bo Horvat in an Islanders jersey from one being nothing wrong to 10 being called the church? <laughs> I'm at like a, out of five. I, I get that. Um, it, like, I'm not denying that it isn't weird. Like the only NHL jersey good. we've seen. He looks good in a different jersey. <laughs> yeah. The, the only NHL jersey we've ever seen Bo Horvat in is Vancouver Canucks jersey. So, yes, it is a little bit strange, but. Come on. We all knew this was coming, right? Whether it's the Islanders or the Colorado Avalanche or somebody else, we all knew that this was an eventuality for Bo Horvat. And uh, here we are today. It's definitely it's definitely for real. It needed to happen. We all need to move on. <laughs> From the skates takes, how long before Linus Carlson gets an NHL look? Uh, over under uh, 18 games before he plays, remaining on the season. Like, 
talking Canucks games before he plays. Ooh, over. I agree. I, I think he'll. I, th- I think a lot of guys are going to get like you know a cup, you know a couple of mm-hmm. games, you know especially later on, uh, just Those to last give them a bit of a taste of the season. Yeah, right. Get a few, and they'll shut more guys down or whatever happens, and we'll see with more trades. So I think we'll see them get more, um, and maybe it happens before that. But you know, all things being equal, if I'm guessing, that's what I would say. I think there are a few guys ahead of him that would get a spin. So. Pod Colson and Hoaglander are definitely above Carlson, I'd say, on the pecking order of getting a call-up. And, and even Arshdeep Baines, who uh, Alvin name-dropped, and would play that type of a role they would want him to play like on in your bottom six. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a few guys yet before Linus Carlson gets that call-up. Uh, let's do a couple more. Basketball, Phil, in honor of All-Star Weekend, who would win a Sportsnet 650 three-point shooting competition? Oh, I know Sat was a big baller back in the day. You know, back in the day, that's the thing. I mean, I can't, you know, when you have a busted knee, you can't really play <laughs> you ball. You can shoot and threes. I've, I can shoot threes. I mean, I'm pretty good, but I, don't, I haven't played. Does anybody play consistently now? Like, I, I would say me, but I mean, maybe somebody plays ball consistently that might just be in better form than me right now. If you give me, like, a week and we have a contest, I'll absolutely win. If we do it right now, I don't know. Uh, I'm here for all your like short guy playing basketball jokes, but it's it's definitely uh, it's it's definitely not me. Muggsy Bogues. No. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Uh, Muggsy Bogues, really interesting add to the Space Jam cast. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> great cast. You know what? My uh, my vote would be Dom. Oh, thank you. I I saw Dom dominate at. Uh, yes, I did that. Um, I saw Dom dominate at, uh, you know, one of those, like, arcade things. Pop a shot. Oh, yeah. Pop a shot. He was just, like, on fire. Uh, my vote so. is for Elon. Elon plays Elon. ball, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. If Elon plays ball, then I'll vote him, too. Whoever plays ball the most <laughs> consistently right now is going to be the guy that wins. I think it's Elon and Basketball Ben. Basketball Ben? You mean ben? Golf Ben? His original nickname yeah. was Basketball Ben. Just because okay? he's tall. Yes. That's not right. Uh, my last question uh, directly for uh, Riccio here. Have you been to Sugarfish? <laughs> what? Uh, no, I have not. I've not been to Sugarfish. Not on this trip yet. Uh, Sugar Sugarfish Fish. is a fantastic um, sushi spot uh, down All here right. in, in SoCal. Uh, but I went to uh, one of the... Um, it's a restaurant by the same chef. It's called uh, Katsunori, and they uh, just serve hand rolls at, at the at the bar. It's it's fantastic. Was it good? Hmm, nice, nice. I, the only sushi know. place I've been to is uh, like the big name one was Nobu. Ooh, yeah, Nobu's very good. <laughs> a little pricey, but it's. Uh... I went to one in Dallas with Aldi. Aldi <laughs> <laughs> played in Dallas, right? So he's like, that's, I know this spot. Be a yeah. Scene. <laughs> I was always like, I know this spot. I'm like, all right. And then we rolled I up. Did, I'm like, this is where we're going? I did actually. Uh, we were walking around in Culver City. There's uh, uh, nice little like shops around there and stuff. And there was a place called The Ald Fellow. Uh, it was a little pub. <laughs> and, Fellow, uh, very so good. Naturally, I had to send a text to, uh, to our good friend Alex Ald uh, that I uh, saw a place with his name on it. And it's not <laughs> Melanie Ald Jewelry. So. Right. Yeah, shouts. Which my wife loves, by the way. They do. I mean, who they doesn't? Do fantastic. Stuff. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's it's great stuff. Honestly, it is. Uh, we're uh, gonna get this to text. Some... Why do you pronounce yeah. Japanese restaurants with an Italian accent? 
Honestly, I didn't even know what, what, how did I say it? Katsunori. I, I don't know. Is that? I don't know. It, it almost sounds Italian the way, like you, you're, you're, you're really rolled the R. Like, I don't know. You rolled the R and your Italian came out just naturally. Should I, should I say Kazunori? Like Dom, can we get a judgment on this? You can say Katsu. Yes. But then you don't roll the R in Nori. Yeah, you know. Nori. That, that does sound Italian. Like, Katsu Nori. It's like, no, man. This <laughs> is like when you guys first heard me say Camomilla on the radio. And it was Camomilla. Strange to everybody. Yeah, it is a bit, a bit, it is a bit odd. Loretta. I mean, like, you know, we're speaking English, and all of a sudden Dan comes in, and we're, like, all confused. Uh, I could see Sat as a baller. Definitely not a shot caller, though. hey <laughs> Uh, all right, we'll get to uh, some mailbag overflow. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. And we will wrap up Canuck Central for this lovely Friday on Sportsnet 650. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.